Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Jacqueline Ryan. Jackie has written a very important book for boomers and their families called Caregivers, Scare Takers, Exposing Fraud in Senior Care. Um, Are your trusted caregivers ripping off your parents or not caring for your loved ones appropriately? With an aging population, more and more families are struggling with dependable trusted care. This process is riddled with problems. What can adult children do to protect their parents from abuse and financial theft and also protect their inheritance and peace of mind from unscrupulous caregivers? Welcome, Jackie. How are you today? Great, Terry. Thank you for inviting me. So happy to have you because your message is so, so important for boomers. So we're going to really go into it today because it's important for us to know. So you're a realtor and so am I until the end of the year when I move to Florida, then I'm going to retire. But tell us your story about what happened to your father and what made you want to write this book. What happened was I like you or anybody, we're doing our career, we're doing our thing. And then I get a phone call from his friend that had come to actually go trot lining on the lake down here. (laughs) And that my dad had fallen, and we need to call an ambulance. So I rushed down there. And let me back up a minute is, is that I physically relocated from Dallas, Texas, and I returned to Northwest Arkansas because I was concerned about the uh, longing years of my parents. Both of them were up here, they're divorced. Mm-hmm. And I was just concerned about them. They were not going to move to Texas. So I right. decided to return to Northwest Arkansas. So I, I gave up my career and everything and everybody I knew in Texas to return back home that I'd been gone for like 25 years. Mm-hmm. And so where I built my home is in eye shot distance of my dad's home, like three minutes away. I oh. lived that close to my dad. Wow. That's better. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. So not really when they fall, they fall. They and fall. if there's no one around, what are you oh, going to do? So I rushed down and that was something else. And this is very important. And I think it might've been covered on some of your podcasts previously is when my dad fell. Yes. I got down there. I called 911. They put me on hold for a moment. Are you kidding? I can't believe oh. that. And I have to repeat the address two or three times. I'm not stuttering or stumbling. <sighs> but, you know, if he'd had a life alert, yeah, hit the button and it happened, which we got him a life alert later. Okay. <laughs> good, good. Oh. So, yeah, but it has to be used. <laughs> but when you're alone, living alone, you really need it because I know a friend of my aunt's had had a stroke. She had just been on the phone with her kids. They call every night to check on her. But then she had a stroke and was laying on the floor, couldn't get to the phone. No life alert. They did find her the next day, got her to a hospital, but she never really recovered the way she could have had they gotten to her quickly. Same thing with my friends. He'd been out RVing. They'd seen him the weekend before. He was back home in Springfield, Missouri. His One of his daughters lived nearby. They couldn't get a hold of him the next day. She went over there the next day. He had a stroke, had fallen on the floor. His phone was on the counter. Right. Reach it. So yeah. either, either have a life alert or have your Apple watch or something with a life alert on it. Right. Right. So important because we never know when that's yeah. going to strike. No, I mean, my don't. husband had uh, an incident this summer where he fell, but we were all right there. And thank God I had someone that comes and helps around the house because he had to help me lift him up because he had fell right up against the front door. And then we and then we sat him down. He goes, I'm OK. I'm OK. I'm going to go. I don't think so. So I was able to drive him to the hospital. He had broken some ribs, but they also punctured the lung. Mm-hmm. 
So I didn't call an ambulance that time. We're real close to the hospital, but I did. He didn't want to go. I go, no, we're going. So I drove him to the hospital. (laughs) You always need to go to the hospital, no matter what. If you hit your head, you think, no, I'm fine. You, if you're over 70 or maybe even over 65, you need to go to the ER to be checked out. So important. It is. It is. So that's the beginning when a loved one falls and it's like the question is did your did you break your hip and fall or did your hip break or did did you did yeah. you didn't fall and break your hip your hip broke, broke. so you you got it yeah and yeah. that was the beginning of him losing his what is it uh a, a daily living adls because yeah. after that happened we got him to hospital therapy back home and I did what any boomer would do. You right. call a care agency. Right. Yes. And <laughs> you imagine that they're going to have good qualified people to come out and start taking care of your loved one. Right. And which this one did. And we might have been lulled into this because we had such a wonderful caregiver. And she remembered me from a church five years earlier or something. Very nice woman. Mm-hmm. And so that was good for about three months and dad got better and she was just part-time and everything, but then he fell and broke his other hip. Uh. Yeah. So then he needed 24 seven care. And so we used the same agency and they, you know, even using an agency, they were going churning through caregivers. Yeah, absolutely. They don't get paid that much. They have a hard time keeping people. And so let's talk about that, Terry. Yes. And the crux, because who wants, what kind of people want to work for 10 or $12 an hour? Today? Right. Who wants to work for 10 or $12 an hour? And that's the kind of people they were hiring while the agency gets 20 to $25 an hour plus overtime or whatever. Right. Oh, my Who's God. Right. And so we'd go through this one and that one and this one and that one. And then finally... I'll say Claire showed up. One, Claire showed up. Right. Two, yeah, she showed up. Two, she showed up on time. Three, she was very engaging, had a great smile. Uh, we liked her. Dad liked her. We're good. We're finally good. Yes. Right. It's furthest from the truth. She ended up being a professional con artist. Oh. Wow. She ended up, I didn't know until until she told me about two years into her employment. Dad's story is about five years long. Of <gasps> okay. Yeah. Right. But, How old was your dad when he fell the first time okay, or broke so his hip? Yeah, 80, 70, 80, 79. Okay. And, um, you know, one of the questions is, how comfortable two years into employment here did Claire feel confident about her job when she blatantly told me and a neighbor, oh, she'd been in jail for, for meth, but you know. Oh my gosh. And so I went to the agency and I said, do you know? And and I found her picture on mugshot. Oh my gosh. And, oh my gosh. You know, and she didn't have her. The, the beautiful smile. Uh-huh. Right. Of course not. Her teeth weren't real. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Wow. Because of meth, she uses right? a beautiful smile, fake teeth. Are you kidding? Right. So I went to the agency and I said, do you know that Claire had a record? And he turned a screen to me and he says, well, you know, we kind of inherited her. Meaning because I moved her from one agency to this agency and I didn't, you know, they did a background check, but she was already in with my dad and they didn't want to lose that account. So right. they just right. her. Oh my gosh. So my mission, my mission, um, I'm in the state of Arkansas and it's state by state. Yes. Is to uh, get FBI rat back implemented here in the state of Arkansas. So FBI Ratback is in around seven or eight states right now. It is in the state of Florida. Is it in Pennsylvania where I am now? It is not. No, no. 
it's in Texas. It's in Missouri. It's coming into Oklahoma. It's in Utah, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, Terry, being a fellow realtor, how I learned about FBI Ratback because I was sitting up here in Arkansas redoing my continuing education for my real estate broker's license in the state of Texas. Right. And at the end of all these, you know, d- d- documents and stuff, and it's like, what is this FBI Ratback? And it's like, what is that about? And so come to find out when I dug in a little bit, it's like, why does Texas have this? Well, there were a lot of felons doing real estate transactions. Right. So this FBI rat back is an ongoing real-time background check. Ah, ongoing. Ongoing. I've never heard of that. Exactly. Ongoing real-time. Right. So um, it's like when I renew my license in the state of Arkansas every year, it's two years, who cares, but it's two years in Texas, one year in Arkansas. So every year in the state of Arkansas, which I was fingerprinted and state background checked in the state of Arkansas, I was fingerprinted and background checked when I got my license in Texas, but it wasn't a continual thing. See, see with us, neither. I've been a realtor 17 years. They only checked me when I first got my license. Never again. You have to do your your credits, your education credits, but they never go back and check again, which they ask you. And so if you lie, have you cr- done any felonies? Have you done any? Cr- that's that's hey, not yeah, you, check, you check the box. No. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And then who's going to know? Right. And that's what we do in Arkansas. Check the box. No. And no. Go on. <laughs> so you just check the box. No. And go on. So. Because of Texas implementing this FBI rat back, it's like, what is this about? And so I started digging in and I was contacted the FBI in the state of Virginia. And it's been a three-year process. And we've had a change of legislators and change of governors here in the state of Arkansas now and a change of the Arkansas State Police. So let me explain how this FBI rat back works. For instance, talking about caregivers. Say if... uh, uh, Missy is on a junket of Vegas for a weekend. They get busted for meth or whatever happens up there. Okay, she gets bailed out. They come back. They come back to work. How does the employer know? The employer doesn't know. No. Now, no. So if FBI ratback is implemented, it'd go bloop. Oh, Missy's been picked up and in jail overnight, bailed out. She's back to work at assisted living over here at the meadows or wherever. And so then they notify the state police, whatever state you're in, the state police, and the state police notifies that employer. Mm. The state police isn't going to do anything about it, right. but notifies the current employer. So then the employer is like, oh, Missy, you were picked up for meth over the weekend. What's this about? Because otherwise Missy is going to take uh, vacation time, sick leave to go take care of her legal problems and Who's to know any different? Exactly. Exactly. So it's interesting, actually, Terry. I was learning more and more stories after I finished my book. Actually, one chapter in my book. It's not only about my stories, but other people's stories. But uh, one lady said, well, you remember my son and daughter-in-law adopted a baby. And, well, it was a, I guess, a meth baby. And you might know how they do this, but it was a meth baby. And so they had to administer maybe heroin to get it off of meth or something, the meth baby. Yeah, something and, like that. Yeah, okay. The meth baby came from somebody who'd been working in an assisted living place. Oh my gosh. See? Yeah. They have so yeah. much trouble finding people that they don't they don't want to do the background checks. They don't want to do the background checks. No. And, and, and even we have, it's a four to five star rated uh, long-term care, assisted living, uh, nursing wing, a nonprofit, privately owned place here in Northwest Arkansas. And they advertise 13, whole $13 for beginning CNAs. $13 and they pass out that they, they mail out a beautiful colorful booklet about every two months it's like cut the color do an email newsletter and pay your employees more right exactly yep yep yeah. won't happen so, <laughs> um i uh went to the capitol last week i 
dug in. I met a gentleman named David Cook, who's the president. He's a policymaker for the Arkansas Alzheimer's Association. Oh, wow. Yes. And so he introduced me to one legislator I hadn't met. I know other legislators. I, I, you've got, I'm sorry, you've got to be politically involved. We do. This is what it is. Like it or not. Yep. It's so true because otherwise this is what happens. No one else is going to do it until we start making noise. Exactly. And, And one legislator, I mean, I've been on him the last three years and he got one law passed, but it wasn't good enough. It's like have a background check every five years. If you've been a long-term resident, no, you need a background check annually. And it's, it's something about, you know, I don't know all the innuendos, but the state police department's going to have to collaborate with the national database of the FBI. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen maybe in six or eight months or something. It might take two years, but let's do it. Let's do it right. 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 Otherwise we're going to be looking at an annual background check. And it's like, that's wondrous. And so let me expand that a little bit more. So not only for our seniors, but for daycare. Yeah. For the disabled. And for the teen facilities and for the seniors, for anybody who is caring for humanity. Right. And it's even, I looked yesterday, I found a video about Virginia. I believe they're expanding it into the school system. Ah, good. That's anyone that's taking care of other people's children or adults or anything. Yeah, I agree. The whole vulnerable people. Yep. Yep whole gambit not just the seniors but the whole gambit because and what hits the newspapers you see what's in the newspapers mm-hmm. you don't read so much about elderly abuse in the newspapers do no you? no they're not talking about it no not talking about it no, absolutely don't. not yeah. and it goes on every day of the week right. over and over just people i know have exactly. had their seniors stolen from things happen and thank god nobody really died from anything but People with these low paying jobs take them to be able to steal from our seniors. That's why they do it. They don't do the hourly wage. Don't don't you think they might feel entitled? Entitled. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, um, what was said by this, I call her the scare taker, Claire, because, (laughs) you know, she was, it's like, I found my new best friend. Right. I finally found somebody that took care of my dad and dad and her got along great. And we got along great and we'd go to lunch sometime or a dinner once in a while or something. And communication was top notch and all this and everything. But once I started figuring out what was going on with her, she turned dad against me. She started Absolutely. talking, yep. talking, talking, talking. And yep. she eventually convinced him I was going to put him in a nursing home. And he removed me as his healthcare POA when I live two or three minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. These people do it all the time. Absolutely. All the time. And they yeah. brainwash. And a, a common thing that they would say, Terry, was, well, your family doesn't care about you. If they cared about you, they'd be here instead of me. Exactly. That I had a neighbor telling my uncle the exact same thing. And what he did is he got all the relatives fighting. So he would call one relative and say, did you know that so-and-so said this about you? And did you know the whole family was fighting? So the neighbor was able to steal millions of dollars, millions. This is sad. And he did it that way and said to my uncle, they don't care about you. They would be here. Yeah. And he listened. He was old. He was in his late 80s, early 90s. And the neighbor was the one that was there all the time. Yes, yes. And we even took him to court and the judge said the same thing. Well, the neighbor was there. Well, yeah. Why do you think the neighbor was there? But judges can't always think that far ahead. They just can't. No. (laughs) No, nor nor attorneys except for themselves. Well, his attorney, yeah. the attorney for the neighbor was in on the con. He got his share of the million dollars as well so that he helped. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it was sad. Very sad. Yeah. My my dad had an attorney. Uh, him and his wife both had an attorney for a very long time. So when my father passed and the attorney kicked in, but it was the attorney that removed me, of course, from the POA. And how did that happen? I'm I'm. I'm 
assuming, which you know what that means, but right. <laughs> it was just that easy. I believe that Claire picked up the phone after she convinced my dad so many times that I was going to put him in a nursing home that she picked up the phone, dialed the attorney, had my dad get on the phone, tell him to remove Jackie as his health POA. I was not his financial POA anyway, his secretary was. Right. And so that was that, even though I lived the closest. So I tell you what happened about 30 days later, my dad fell one morning. He mm. called me first and, and it was, he never, well, he did fall sometimes under Claire, but he fell four times under a different caregiver from the same agency, four times in one year. Wow. But, um, my dad called me. He fell. I was down there in minutes, but I didn't have the health POA. So I sat there for one hour, over one hour, waiting for my brother to show up who lives 30 minutes away. Then my brother looked at me. And, yeah, same thing. My brother and I. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so I sat there with my dad for an additional two hours. We were, I was there for three hours waiting on the nurse from the home care agency to show up and ascertain, oh, yeah, maybe he needs to go to the doctor. And I asked my dad, and I said, why did you remove me as your health POA? I said, we would have been at the doctor's 30 minutes ago, like right. at 730 right. that morning. He says, you were after my money. And I said, I don't need your money. He says, I know that. How, how do you argue? Yeah, you, know, you can't. They're not thinking straight anymore. They're really yeah. not. And that was the other part of it. My grandmother, his mother had dementia. His sister had dementia. Mm. He was never tested. So therefore, he was always competent. Oh, yeah. See, I know. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Yep. And he was the one, like many, involved with the scams. You mm-hmm. know, blue skies, the code word, sent probably 30,000 to Jamaica, had his roof replaced or repaired, blah, blah, blah. He, he was so vulnerable and gullible. Right. He was sitting duck down there. Yep. But after the scaretaker showed up, he was no longer <laughs> vulnerable to anybody else because she was first in line. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> to protect him from anybody else and to take that money. Yes, absolutely. Oh, so this was a private paid agency. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I didn't know this. I had a different agency for my mom's care later. And I didn't know that some agencies accept Medicare, Medicaid. Right. And so then you might can, um, file a complaint with DHS Mm -hmm. or there's an adult maltreatment, um, registry or something. Right. But, when it's totally private pay, a privately owned organization company, as somebody else said, there's no regulatory oversight of these agencies. Ugh. There's not. And we all assume there is, right? Why wouldn't we you ass- think? I yes. mean, just like in real estate, you got the real estate commission. Right, right. There's no oversight for these private pay. So, and think about these. So private pay, if you're paying... Average $25 an hour, mm-hmm. 24-7 care, plus holidays, overtime. My dad spent around 220000 a year. Oh yeah, he, 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 was, he was wealthy. Right, right. And so don't you think, okay, you would get better care? No. No, no. Also, secondly, Terry, uh, well, there's there's many things, but, you know, the owners or their administration person never came out to check on my dad, you know, once a quarter. Right. Why wouldn't you come out to check on your clients once a quarter to check on their well-being and everything? Because, you know, they're different from 75 to 77, 77 to 80 years old. Absolutely. 80. Big changes. Yep. Big changes. And yeah. Um you know, my dad eventually, you know, of course he died. And there was never, none of these people were never even CNAs. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. So one of the ladies who contributed in the chapter of my book, she was saying the nurse's aide, the nurse's aide, the nurse's aide showed up. It's from the same company my dad had actually. (laughs) And then George died the next morning. And I said, these are not nurse's aides. Right. Right. They're not even CNAs. Right, 
Right. They're not even CNAs. And so they're not nurse personnel. Right. In the state of Arkansas and probably like other states, a CNA is under the nursing program. Mm -hmm. So they do have a little higher standards. So they should be paid more. Right. But these caregivers, they do take maybe 40 hours of training and then they're a caregiver. Yep. And they can take their CEs, kind of like we do in real estate, take it online. But I tell you, um, there's a place here locally in Northwest Arkansas it's called the Schmeeding Center. It's a senior resource center. And what happens, Terry, like all of us, we're, I, I say it this way, Johnny Cash wrote a song, but you're in the middle of the whirlwind. Mm-hmm. So you, you're in the middle of the whirlwind and you don't know what else to see or what to do or where to go or resources. You're trying to absolutely you're overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed. overwhelmed. Yep. Overwhelmed. And you're just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And you can't imagine that anybody else is experiencing the same thing because this is your deal. Right. That at one point she says, you know, you need to get out of here. He says, this isn't any of your business. I said, you are my business which was probably not the best response, but I made him my business because I cared about him. Right. And it got to a point, Terry, I had to quit caring so much about him because it was just killing me. I bet. I bet. Eating you apart inside. um, It was just killing me. And even to the last days of his life down here, I'd go down and I see him and he's like, uh, he had dry mouth, you know? So mm-hmm. I go in, he's on the hospital bed in the house down there. And here's this other caregiver sitting behind him. And you know, something's not right when there's something on the TV besides a Western. My dad was always watching Westerns. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's in the last week where he's dying and he's lying there dry mouth. And I said, do you think we can find a moistened towelette or something to wet his lips? Oh, okay. And, and his lips just oh. grabbed onto it because his lips were so dry. It's like, why am I having to tell her this? Right. Okay. And so, you know, you know, I talked a little bit earlier. It's like when my mom was six months under hospice care at home mm-hmm. where I had a different agency part-time. I'd be over there every night and everything. And she loved watermelon. And so, you know, we'd get fresh cuts of watermelon stuff. And this caregiver would say, well, she wouldn't eat anything all day long. Okay. Well, again, I learned she had trouble because of the cancer. And I give her a piece of watermelon the size of my little finger. Right. Not not this size. No, no, not big chunks, little pieces. Little pieces. (sighs) And my mom says, oh, that tastes so good. Feel the cool water where she Because it's all water, so it gives you moisture in your mouth. It's wonderful. But how are we supposed to know this? And these people who are paid don't know this. Don't know this. I know. That's kind of the crux of it. And what I learned, it wasn't just me. And I used a different agency for my mom. It wasn't any better. Yeah, see? (laughs) There you go. And it's like. Well, and somebody says, well, did you try? I said, what am I supposed to do? Go through 10 agencies? Right. We're in a crisis moment. We really, yeah, yeah. It's so tough. It's so tough. You know, it's like, even when you're looking at a doctor, are you going to look at the doctor and look at their credentials? No, you're referred to that doctor. That doctor is where the doctor is, where the doctor belongs. So, okay, the doctor's probably the good doctor. Well, Maybe he, who's checking everybody's credentials around here? Exactly. And you know, there have been fake doctors that faked everything. We fake. hear about it all the time. Yeah, fake nurses now. God, yeah. I never got one, but yeah. So, <laughs> and and we don't have time to be checking all of that. No, Our man, lives are so busy already. It Work is. schedules are busier yeah. than they have ever been before. Absolutely. People Absolutely. used to work 40 hours a week. Now the average is 60 plus. Yeah. Like but. any job, I don't care what job, you're working 60 plus hours a week. And mostly the ones that don't get paid hourly, they get this salary, but yeah. they're expected to just work and work and work and work. So yeah. nobody has time. And these agencies know that. Mm-hmm. Governments know this. They know that we're all overwhelmed they and do. we're not going to check up on them. So so what to learn from, and that's, you know, I feel like 
our mission is to help others. And I did not have any guidance. Um, did I have any help? Yes, I've got a brother and a stepbrother. But, you know, it's just easier not to deal with it. Hey, if he's happy, then everybody's happy. Just leave it alone. Well, yeah. right or wrong, you yeah. know, and it made me at odds with my dad because I was trying to do the right thing, but I was turned against. And some of the reason I know this is because there were two other good caregivers with this agency that were taking care of my dad and the bad caregiver. How does somebody raise themselves up is to put other people down. Yep. Yep. And one of the best caregivers, she was very quiet. My dad didn't like her because Claire would turn him against this other woman and she would not accept his money to stroke his ego. So um, they ended up firing her. The agency fired her, period, fired her. She'd hurt her back. Awful. That's awful. And then she died six months later. She's 51 years old. Oh my gosh. And oh I told gosh. this agency later and I said, you've got the blood of her on your hands. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That probably just got her so upset, upset and maybe couldn't friends. find another job anymore. And She's like, what is friends. she going to do? She loved my dad. Oh, so sad. And, and then there was another caregiver that was good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she would tell me things later. You know, your dad woke me up in the middle of the night for afraid about you putting him in a nursing home. And she said, you know, she's not going to do that. But, you know, this other woman would groan on and on and on. Right. Right. Didn't convince otherwise. And she got wrongly fired also. See that? That's what they do. They got to get rid of the competition. Absolutely. Now, I was lucky with my father. We had to put him in a home because he had dementia. And Mm -hmm. he was in there a good 10 years, loving it in the beginning because he was able to be on the first floor. He shared an apartment with another guy. So he was out and about with people. He loved to sing. He would get up and sing for them. He ate all his meals there. So he was doing pretty good for a while. But then when the dementia started getting too bad and the other residents complain, they put him up on the third floor. And then that was all dementia pain uh, patients. So that wasn't as much fun anymore, but he still did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Their mistake was he did kind of fall asleep in a chair once and they couldn't wake him up and they didn't realize we did not have a do not resuscitate on file. So paperwork is really important. You've got to make sure you have all the proper paperwork. So we thought that the home had it. They didn't. So they had to call an ambulance. They took him to a hospital. They revived him because I think he was just dehydrated, but he would have just peacefully died in his sleep that day, which is what would have been the best. What happened is he was running out of money. We had to move him to a state run home, which was a lovely home, but he was only there a short while when he fell out of bed, broke his hip. And then that was that when he was in his nineties, when you break your hip in your nineties, you're not going to recover. And he was a walker, just loved to walk in all of the homes he was in. He would walk the the hallways over and over all day. He just loved to walk. So mm-hmm. once he broke his hip and he was in a wheelchair with dementia, because you couldn't explain to him what uh, happened that. Yeah. So he just stopped eating and died. But it was a horrific death. He mm. could have just died peacefully. But the home wasn't paying attention to the paperwork. Right. That's their job. They sat down when we first brought him in, made sure we had everything. I don't know how that slipped through the cracks, but it did. So he just had, instead of a nice peaceful passing, he died like a year or so later and it was awful. He was in a lot of pain. So Uh, very uh, sad. So it it wasn't horrific people stealing and doing things like that, but they just weren't up on the paperwork. So again, we have to educate ourselves on what we need, what our parents need. Keep asking questions. Don't be afraid to keep asking questions. Asking questions. And and one of my sayings is be aware and Mm -hmm. be prepared. Yes. So if you have a parent in their 70s to 80s, and uh, mental faculties are there, visit with them, broach that subject. Yes. You know, what happens, mom, if you end up falling and breaking your hip? What's going to happen? Right. Play out that scenario so it won't be a surprise later. If you're going to go check out some homes, 
Go check out homes while they're walking, competent, talking and everything. And go check exactly. out three or four places. Yes. Check them out. Go check out home care agencies. I, I dare say it's about <clears throat> it's about like in real estate. Bypass the realtor. Go deal direct. You know, go, you know everything's so much online anymore. There's two services, um, care.com and eldercare.com, I believe. And, you know, we're mature anymore. And if that had been available... Eight years ago, I would have gone that route. Um, I helped somebody, an elderly friend of mine, find somebody competent. For instance, so on, say, care.com, okay, I need somebody will pay $18 an hour. Uh, His wife's got Parkinson's um, twice a week, you know, eight to five, whatever. And you start having some applicants coming in and say, oh, okay, Sarah, and meet Sarah online. And okay, I want to do a background check on you, which, okay, pay extra money for that. Mm -hmm. And you have her come over, meet the people and see how they get along. And I said, Sarah, why are you doing this instead of any? She says, I've been at agencies. She says, I was a uh, RN or CNA in California. I came here in Northwest Arkansas to be with my kids and stuff. And she says, you know, I, I was just getting slept. Yeah. All yeah. different places and don't know what I'm going to walk into. She says this way, instead of me getting paid 10 or $12 an hour, I don't know what I'm walking into. I'll get paid 18, $25 an hour, mm-hmm. pay direct. And she can see who she's going to work with and choose her times and people to work with. Right. Bypass the agency, hire direct. Yes, you got to give them a 1099 at the end of the year. So what? You yep. hire them, you got to fire them, you got to work with them directly. Your eyes are on them. And Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, something, and this is such a humanity problem mm-hmm. in a crisis moment. And I made the mistake of Claire becoming my best friend because she was just Johnny on the spot and always available and blah, blah, blah. No, man, these Mm-mm. people are employed. You're the boss. Yes. Keep a working relationship with them. I think that's very, very important because you get lulled when you think they're your friend. You get lulled into not paying attention to red flags that might have popped up and you just don't pay attention. Yeah. The red flag, Terry, and we didn't do anything because we were just so in a desperate situation. Yeah. It was only about three or four months after we hired um, Claire mm-hmm. and I found a tire receipt for about $900. Oh. And so I notified the family and we ended up having a meeting with dad and Claire and Claire, went, Oh, it was just a loan. I promise I'll pay it back and all this and everything. And dad got caught. They got caught. Right. Right. <laughs> we did not notify. We did not notify the agency. Oh yeah. Should have. Absolutely. Yep. But we didn't because, well, hey, Claire, if you need something, hey, just let us know. Let's talk about it. We'll work it out or whatever. No. What happened? They went further underground. Yep. yep. Dad was paying for her grandkids' summer camp, paid off her $30,000 mortgage, seller finance. Wow. Mortgage. So how come the financial person wasn't picking that up? Whoever was in charge of his finance. Oh, excellent question. Yeah. yeah. Of course, I knew her and he she'd always been a secretary and she was married to a police officer to boot. Oh, my gosh. See, you know, you think you're covered and you're not. Because, you know, my dad relied on her. My dad and my stepmother years ago had always relied on her. But, right. hey. You don't want to cross. You don't want to confront. It's sad, but maybe he had some past karma with her. Who knows that he had to work out? Who knows? But, you know, when when there's not a whole lot of money and they start stealing from people, it's very sad because, you know, the family, you know, sometimes needs that money to finish things up after the person pay for the funeral. Now there's no money left because that person stole it all. That's right. I tell you, uh, uh, it was. (gasps) You know, you get to a point, what do you got to lose? Yeah, yeah. So at my dad's visitation, and I found, I mean, the agency a few years earlier had a write-up on Claire, and I found it. It's in my book. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, point by point by point, don't go to her. You cannot go to her house when she's off duty. You can't have the other caregivers take you to Claire's house when she's off duty. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and how, as a daughter, how can I compete with a woman who is kissing my dad? Yeah. When, you know. Yeah. You she's there all the time. So she's he's going to listen to her. Oh, she's. Yeah. And she, she did this all the time. Yeah. And it, yeah. And so the uh, owners of the agency came through. And, oh, you know, I mean, I just, I thought I would tell them stuff. I just thought they didn't know. But once I realized they knew. Yeah. Then they, yeah. And so they gave me a big hug. Oh, sorry. We loved him and all that. And I said, here is an envelope. Oh, this is for, I said, yeah. And it was a copy of their write-up of Claire a couple of years earlier. And I said, this was all BS. It right. meant nothing. Right. <laughs> right. And so the next day at the uh, burial, man, the, they stayed over there and yep. I stayed over here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm yeah. surprised they even showed up. Oh, well. They shouldn't even have showed up. Oh, you yeah. know. And, and, and yeah, Claire was over there. But see, Claire had my brother wrapped around her finger. Oh, see? Yeah. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but, because you know, everyone wants to pounce on the the family member who's really doing the right thing. They're yeah. always trying to think they're doing it for the wrong reasons or this or that. And yeah. I guess it's because they feel a little guilty that they're not doing more. Yeah. So they're going to make you look like the baddie. So they could get on Claire's side and say, yes, yeah, she really is the bad one. She really oh. oh, my my dad's dog died because feeding it scraps all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, is a dog that I had that I let my dad have. So it was really kind of my dog and oh. they died. And I went down and told my dad while Claire was there and it wasn't, and I came back up the house and I said, Josie died, Josie died birthday. And I said, this was preventable. I, I didn't say, I didn't say it was your fault. I said, this was preventable because they, Caregivers were giving up scraps all the time. Oh, yeah, you can't so do that. 30 minutes later, my brother shows up. I should have killed you when I had the chance. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He says, he says, I'm going to the attorney. I'm going to go to the prosecuting attorney on people like you. You know, your elder abuse. I mean, he's hearing all this from Claire. Of course, of course. Yep. There was never any discussion anywhere, anytime. No, no, that's a shame. But it, uh, it's it's prevalent. Like I said, with my uncle and his neighbor, the neighbor just kept telling, got all of us relatives fighting so that we weren't even talking to one another. And yeah. then I was one of the younger ones. So I stepped in at a certain point and said, you know, I believe this woman. I don't know why you're fighting with her, but I didn't understand the full scope of what was going on behind the scenes, or I would have flown down to my uncle and taken control. I didn't understand till after he died. And then I'm like, oh my God, now it is so perfectly clear. So perfectly clear. You know, there's this book, The Millionaire Next Door, and it <laughs> talks about how that person built their wealth. Well, that my uncle's neighbor next door, millionaire next door, stole his money. So he became the millionaire next door. I always think of that when I, when I think of the situation and, you know, all of us up here, I was sending four kids to college. My uncle was paying for other kids to go to college down in Louisiana. I was really working a lot of overtime hours to have the money to do it. We could have used the help, but he didn't understand. He thought we were the bad ones and they, those people were the good ones. So I get it. But again, it takes, I think you have to go through the whole cycle to the end. And then when you look back, you say, oh, yes, my God, it was so clear what was happening. So clear. So I probably, I've thought about writing a book about my uncle's situation. And maybe I should because of all the steps that the attorney and the neighbor took ahead of time. The neighbor even had my uncle adopt him when he was in his 50s. So now he could say, I'm the rightful son. And that did made it harder down the road for us to get attorneys to fight it because he's an adoptive son. Who adopts a 50 year old? Give me a break. 
give me a break. So, yeah, there's just so many different scams that work against the elderly. It's crazy. That kind of, so the uh, book. There's the cover of your book. I love it. It's very nice. Well, Looks good. thank you. So it's the caregiver hand manipulating. Yeah. Yes. Life. Manipulating. Yep. Living to broken hearts and isolation. Isolation because they isolated my uncle too. Yep. Even from their best friends. Yes. You know, friends. Everyone was cut off from my uncle, his friends, everybody. his family, everybody. everybody. They have to be the only one in charge That's or it. the scam will be found out. And so the anytime they're isolated to that point, isolated. you know there's a problem. Yeah. And the money goes out the door. Right out the door. Absolutely. Isolation. Totally agree. So how do you prevent this? Okay. Well, yes, there you go. Crisis moment. Try to be aware, be prepared, be prepared in advance. Yes. Um, don't go with the first agency you call. Call three, call five, call 10. Right. You might call them before anything happens just to get to know these people. If your parents are 75 years old, you need to figure out what's going to happen if somebody falls and breaks their hip. And chances are they will fall and break something. The sure. chances are good. So, yeah, it is yeah. really good to do your your research ahead of time. Ahead of time, because it's going to be a crisis moment. It's very, very quick and everyone's emotional. Quick. It's harder to make the right decision. Oh, yeah. and to be on the same page. You know, yes. and I think part of it, Terry, and it's difficult. Like you said, you were the youngest of your siblings. No, I'm the third oldest. Oh, third and I'm of one of 11. Oh, my goodness. So there were a lot of people to help, which was good. And we did all my older sister took charge of my father when he was getting dementia and she tried to keep him at home. But every time she would go to the bathroom, he would run out the front door and be on a dangerous road. So we knew we had to put him into a home to be protected. So we were all on the same page with her. So that's unusual. Usually you families fight and they go, oh, you just that, 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 whatever. But no, we were all on the same page. None of us could take him into our homes. We knew that. So, yeah, it worked That's, out for him. It, it helps to have everybody on the same page. It does. Yep. But and that's, that's awesome. not always easy. And it's not, you know, and if you got siblings, I mean, I've got a lady friend. Her, She relented that her sister will be the best one to take care of her mother. And she's out here working and stuff. And this sister takes care of her mother. And yes, they communicate and everything. And, you know, we got to uh, even extend this also to sometimes family members who may take advantage of their loved ones. As oh, well. and that happens as much. Oh, as much as anything. A exactly. One of the children will come in and steal everything. And there's nothing steal left everything. for anyone. Yep. Exactly. That happens very often as well. It yep. does. So it's just be aware, be prepared. And... You know, you got to have communication with everybody. Right. And, and do your best. Do your best. Do your best. And not wait, not wait for a crisis to happen. Yes. And, you know, my, my saying is, you know, raise the bar on the caregivers will raise the bar on the quality of care. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So if it's going to cost these agencies, oh, instead of paying 10 or 12, they're going to have to pay this person $18 an hour. Right. Well, this person deserves $18 an hour, and you better see what you're going to get for $18 an hour instead That's of somebody right. just sitting there watching TV or texting on their phone in another room while you're. Yeah, they're just sitting there. They think they're just babysitters. No, you're there to help and do whatever you can to make that person comfortable. But yeah. that's not the way they see it. No, no. no. They're, they're, let's see what we can get out of the deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell my audience where they can find you, where they can find your book. Give us your website. Thank you. Is care And it's interesting. I use caregivers. It's caregiversCaretakers.com, one S in the middle. But, you know, because people say care, this is my caretaker or this is my caregiver. But, you know, caregiver, caretaker is used interchangeably. Yep. Yep. I love it. It sounds right to me. And so, of course, it can be found on Amazon.com is uh, caregiver, caretakers, um, Jacqueline Ryan. And I've been out for one year. Uh, it debuted when it debuted. It was uh, number four on Amazon elder care, elder abuse. Um, category. Excellent. Excellent. 
Well, that's great. And I will have all that in the show notes. So anyone who's out exercising while they're listening or doing laundry or whatever, just go to the show notes and you'll be able to have that. And it'll be clickable. You can just click right onto it and get to Jackie's website. So thank you for joining us today, Jackie. This Um, has been very, very educational. So it's important, I believe, because the more, like you said, the more you know ahead of time, the easier the process is. It is. And I do have a list of questions in the back of my book. Oh, uh, excellent. List of questions, you know, how to qualify the agency, how to qualify the caregiver, how, you know, how can right. you best qualify them? What are their credentials? How long they've been around? Uh, do you have CNAs? You know, right. do they have online training or do they go someplace for physical training? Right. You know? So, yeah, and these are things that the average person is not going to think to ask. No, you hey, didn't like it. You no. have to go through that experience and then you learn. So, and that's what my podcast is all about. Boomers helping other boomers learn things ahead of time so that when things pop up, they're more prepared. So we want to share our wisdom with other boomers. So, you know, sometimes it's business um, education or a lot of other things. But this is an important topic because all of us will face something along the way where we will need a caregiver, at least short term, or we will need to go into a nursing home. And it's really important to know what to look out for. So, um, this, I haven't had anyone on talking about this before, so this is really important. I'm so happy that you were able to join me today because it is, it's important. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you, Terry. So thank you. You are now officially a kick-ass boomer and I, <laughs> and I know my, I encourage my audience to go out and buy the book because you will save a lot of time and money by having that information in front of you and get it now before yeah. that accident, before that illness that really disrupts your entire life, go through it and start thinking about it. Like, like uh, Jackie said, the more prepared you are when something happens, the better. Yes. Yes. There's very many uh, just short stories, short stories, three minute read, right? short stories, and you can just learn a lot. Learn from other people's experiences. Yes. Learn from other mistakes. There you go. So that it doesn't happen to you. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you, Terry. You're welcome. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old. This podcast is sponsored by Premier Podcast Productions. Let's face it, everybody loves to make podcasts and vodcasts, but nobody wants to edit them. At Premier Podcast Productions, we professionally edit and distribute podcasts and vodcasts for companies around the world. Contact us at premierpodcastpros at gmail.com.